This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. Leading in tough times. Leading in tough times. If there's any time we need good leadership, it's especially in tough times. Leading in tough times. Today, as I get ready to teach on leadership, you know, normally when you start teaching on leadership, it's something that's not done as open in a general assembly, sometimes not even on a Sunday morning. It's normally a separate class for those daring individuals who have accepted that they are a leader. Normally, they are the ones that are privileged to hearing such articulation on what it is to be a leader. But all of us in some realm of our life um, have been faced with being a leader. So today I want to bring this leadership uh, lesson to focus, to front and center, and hope, number one, that all of us will grow in the reality of what it takes to be a good leader. But also, I want people to respect the rigors of the journey to be a leader. When somebody decides to lead something, I don't want you to take it for granted that they've made a decision to take responsibility, take the helm, and do something about situations. I want you to grow in respect. So this message is for everyone. Uh, pastors, leaders, parents, teachers, brothers and sisters are even leaders. Uh, kings, we know kings, queens, presidents, governors, mayors, those who hold civic duty and civic office. We understand that they are leaders, but we want to make sure that you understand that in some area, arena of your life, that you are a leader too. And I want you to understand that if you're willing to step up to some of these higher ideals of life, you can be a leader too. As I begin to study and as I even share this message, I want you to understand of something about myself. And I must admit that even where I am personally as a person, I feel greater responsibility in being a good leader. But with that responsibility of being a good leader, I also feel a greater vulnerability. You know what that feels like when you say, yeah, I know I got to do better in a certain area. That, that admission of responsibility also brings on a greater vulnerability. Many times in leadership, uh, responsibility and vulnerability go hand in hand. They, are, they come together when you decide you're going to accept responsibility. Now, I want you to understand, responsibility is one thing. That's one side of the equation of leadership. But all because you're willing to be responsible don't necessarily mean that you're willing to be vulnerable. All right? Responsibility just says, this is what I got to do. But, but vulnerability is how you feel about it. Uh, how you feel, what's your approach, your approach to this leadership, this new undertaking. Uh, maybe it's taking on a new job. Maybe it's taking on a new assignment at work. Maybe it's taking on new responsibilities at home. Maybe it's a building project or a project at work. Something that is requiring you to show forth your skills, your talent. And in that responsibility, you feel a higher level of responsibility as well. 
In that moment, you're thinking about how I'm going to lead others. Am I equipped for this? Am I ready to share? Am I ready to uh, even have scars while I lead? Can I let people know who I really am? We go through all these questions when it's time to lead because we know that we're going to lead and be responsible. We also got to be a real person. It's hard to lead and do well and not accept that you are a real person as well. Real person as well. So the responsibility of leadership often comes with vulnerability. That vulnerability says that if you're going to be successful in being a good leader, you're going to have to take some courage. See, vulnerability immediately says you got to take some courage and you got to be willing to face some uncertain things. You got to be willing to face some doubts. You got to really have some courage to give, receive, interact. It's impossible to lead and be vulnerable if you're not going to talk to anybody. When, you, when it's time to leave, you know you're going to have to have some level of communication, interaction, maybe meeting new people, and it takes courage to lead. Yeah. It takes courage to lead. So this vulnerability is one of the things that I have been dealing with in my leadership. And I asked myself this profound question that I just feel like the Holy Spirit helped me to come to as a conclusion about my leadership. I mean, it made me think about my journey as a pastor, as a leader, and potentially what I have to do now. I looked in the mirror about two weeks ago, and I asked myself this profound question. The question is, can I lead now? Can I lead now? It brought to the perspective that, yes, I've led before, I've started this church, we started from scratch, we led through all those different types of channels and emotions of what it is to start a church from scratch, we built a board of directors, we purchased a building, we renovated it, we started with no praise team, the pastor yourself was the praise team, I would sing the song, sit down for offering and get up and preach. Somebody say tired.com. Oh, that was tiring. But we went through all that and we waited things out, waited till God sent leadership, waited till God sent talent and skills. And we led through all those early stages of the church. We had to build a youth ministry, a tech team. We, we created a 501c3 for our nonprofit. Sonora White was very instrumental in getting us the paperwork. And Sister Cynthia Douglas came and took the rest of the way and began to grow it. All right, we, we, we did those things. I was a part of it. I was the leader in those things but as I look about where we have to go and things we have to do and the challenges that are upon us now I ask myself a profound question can I lead now can I lead now can I lead now one of the things we must all face and there comes a time in our life that we must look ourselves square in the eye in the mirror and say am I up for the challenge can I get myself out of this can I move myself forward you may have dilemmas you may have not as much money you may have had setbacks you may have things going on in your family going on at home your relationship with your loved one could be falling apart and here it is your with leading and you have to ask yourself a question can you lead now you could be dealing with grief you could be dealing with all types of loss and in those types of things you're still challenged with can you lead through it can you lead in
in it. And I ask myself this profound question. Joe, do you have the courage? Do you have the guts to lead now? I ask myself these questions. I said, can I lead through this pandemic? Am I going to just shut the church down? Am I going to get overcome with all the different types of things I have to learn and research and study the virus and figure out what other people are doing to be safe? Or am I going to duck my head through the pandemic, quit on leadership, and just wait till it's over? I tell you, there are some people thought they could wait till it's over, and they found out that the pandemic lasted longer than they expected. We thought we was going to get one shot, two shots, and it was going to be over. And it lasted longer than anyone can expect. It teaches us that we have to show up and function in the midst of things. Many times we decide we're going to wait till it's over tell somebody you wait till it's over you may miss your time you may miss your time and I had to ask myself am I going to lead I remember the pandemic so clearly it was so different preaching to a camera and no one was in the audience I mean no one I mean not a soul and then because at one time when we were doing it we didn't have even worship team here at one moment it was just me we did a video I got right up and I said Lord I need some energy I'm a musician I like music glory to God I have no music going on and nobody to look at I can't look at this sister and say amen and get some feedback couldn't even get no feedback from nobody I had to be my own amen corner I had to feel good about myself and I had to come with my message a hundred percent I had, couldn't depend on no claps like y'all giving me right now I appreciate it bring it on bring it on I could I couldn't depend on any things like that I had to decide that I was gonna lead through this pandemic I was gonna figure out how to keep my head above water and I was gonna survive this thing and I was gonna figure out how to strategize and make it through I'm telling you if you're waiting for life to get good for you to lead you may never decide to lead because oftentimes the call to lead happens while you're in trouble it happens when the lights go out it happens when you're in trouble you don't know what to do and you're gonna sit there you'll miss your moment you have to ask yourself can I lead right now do I have the courage to lead right now if I wait, I'll miss my moment. And sometimes you're faced with like not many options but to go ahead and learn how to do it. Because sometimes we decide, no, I'm going to forego this. I'm going to try to push this off in the corner. And there are too many things that are too important in our life that you can't just push off in the corner. You just can't push your child being in trouble off in the corner. You just can't push your marriage off in the corner. That thing will start squealing loud if you don't take care of it. If you don't start taking it, sooner or later you have to learn how to lead in the midst of what you're going through I asked myself that profound can I leave right now can I leave I asked that same question to you can you leave right now the world is spinning problems seem to be mounting every day every time a new booster comes out another variant does too the body of Christ is winning and losing at the same time. And the world is still lost. Don't you be fooled. The world is still lost. And they even say a recession is on the way. I want to know, can you leave right now? 
I want to know, are you clear-headed? Uh, you got enough courage, enough guts that you're going to say, I'm going to lead through these dilemmas. I'm going to lead through these challenges and this trouble. The question is, can you lead right now? Jesus does this very thing in Mark, the fourth chapter. In the midst of a long day of ministry, Jesus, my point number one, Jesus shows us how to lead. Number one, leaders receive and give invitations. That's one of the things that leaders do. They, they give and receive. They receive and give. If you're a leader, that means something has prompted you, something God has called you, something has stirred in you to do something about whatever you see. Something has given you some type of a, a prompting that a dream sometimes you feel led to do something after a dream Sometimes you feel led you called after tragedy Sometimes after tragedy or seeing something not done right you decide I'm gonna do it better And you rise up from where you are to do something but leaders begin to receive and give invitations leaders give people the opportunity to go places they would not go by themselves leaders start things and they give opportunities for people to see a future leaders begin to describe what's next Jesus in this chapter tells the disciples let us go to the other side it's an invitation for the future Leaders give an invitation. Leaders open the door and tell you that you can be better than you are. Tell you what you can do, where you can go, things you can achieve. Leaders give invitations. I want you to notice that Jesus in this text, when he gives an invitation, it's a joint invitation. Because as a leader, you can't take anybody anywhere you're not willing to go. He says, let us go to the other side. So one of the things you got to learn about leadership, leadership has to have the language of us and we. See, that's the first start. It's an invitation for us to go together because a leader can't go by himself. As a matter of fact, any person who call themselves leading and they look behind and no one is following, they are just going for a walk. If you're leading and nobody's following you, you ain't doing nothing. You ain't calling yourself no leader. A leader means somebody is convinced and somebody has accepted that invitation and somebody is willing to get in the boat with you. They get in the boat with Jesus because Jesus gives them an invitation to go to the other side. It's the us and we language that, that draws people to walk with you. Ain't nobody want to follow you and you're the only person going to win. You're the only person going to grow. You're the only person going to come out on top of this thing. You're the only person. If you're the only person, then you don't need no one else to follow. It's just you. But leadership is the convincing message to grab people and let, have them follow you. We notice even in the same text, the Bible says as they get into this boat to leave, that they left the crowd. Because Jesus was teaching and he had to leave the crowd. There is a sacrifice to stepping up and stepping out. Oh, there's a sacrifice of leaving the crowd. Don't mean that you don't have friends, but when you leave the crowd to become a leader, it means that you must hit the field. 
It means that you are no longer a spectator, but you are now the one carrying out things on the field, in the field of play. And I want you to understand that although you're in the field of play, you have left the crowd. In leadership, there's still a crowd. But the crowd are spectators. And as a leader, when you accept the invitation to be a leader, you got to recognize you're going to hear some noise. Some of those, that noise is going to be cheers. People who are pushing you on. And then some of that noise may be some boos. Some jeers. Some people who don't think you can do this. Some people don't think you're qualified. Some people don't think you got the guts. Some people don't think, you know what it is. You've been in the stands of a basketball game. You've been in the stand of a football game. You say, why is he starting? Why they got him playing running back? Why is he the point guard? He can't even dribble. Look at how many, look how many terms. You know, and if you're not careful, you'll get so focused on what the crowd is saying to you that you don't focus on the mission field. Leaders give an invitation, but they must have the focus to recognize in the midst of the crowd, I have a job to do. This is important because many times some of us will get so swayed about what others are saying while we are leading. So much so that we don't know how to handle the opinions of others. You know, that's why some never step out of the crowd because there's a truth to it that when sometimes you step out, you don't want all eyes on you. Now, what's, what's, what's the oxymoron to this who struggle with this? Many times when we pray, we ask God to bless us big. We ask God to bless us in ways we say, God, you own a cattle on a thousand heels we like God do this for me God do this for me and when God wants to put you out in the forefront then you tell God I don't want to be seen by nobody you want to be blessed now if you're gonna be really blessed now how many know you can't be really blessed and high how many know you can't be really favored and high because the blessing of God will point you out the blessing is hard to hide when God is on you it's hard to hide when God has blessed you if you can dumb it down you can try to hide it you can try to diminish it but when God is for you and God's blessing is on you it's hard to hide but some of us are in an oxymoron because we pray to be blessed like never before but when God wants us to step out we're like God I want nobody looking at us the truth of the matter is you got to be able to handle being a leader there are going to be people who talk there are going to be people who don't let me tell you something about leadership let me tell you something about leadership you got to understand there are people who don't get in the boat until the boat looks good until the boat is just about to start up the engine you can't get discouraged from building what God tells you to build because everybody not cheering for you there are people who spectate and watch you they watch your dedication they watch if you are worthy to be followed if you don't give up unless you get applauses and thank you notes and then little little stars oh that's cute while you in school and element when you got little gold stars but when you get grown you got to be able to lead without gold stars you got to be able to graduate and, and, and leadership will call you to step out from the crowd and begin to work while no one is giving you any amens and claps and all those type of things but you know you're doing, really, and doing the right thing and people are watching you and there are some people once your boat get built and look right 
they'll be jumping on they'll be one of your favorite fans everybody not coming early you can't expect and think everybody coming early it's an invitation but everybody don't accept the invitation immediately and you got to be willing to deal with the noise and the worst noise is not the noise in the stands it's the noise in your head the noise in the stand you better be able to deal with because that don't go home with you at night but the worst noise is when you go home at night and you still telling yourself you ain't worthy you ain't no good you less than this you can't do this and you self-sabotage your greatness because you beat yourself down that's the worst thing it's one thing for the people in the stands not to know you and not to like you but when you go home with yourself what do you say to yourself what do you say about who you are and what you can do Lord go ahead y'all praying for me today you better because I'm on point number one you better this invitation for leadership is an invitation to grow it's an invitation to change. It's an, it's, it's an invitation to experience, to inspire, to influence, to be an example. Some people, when they take over in a leadership role, when they accept the invitation, they think it's all about getting the bag. Tell somebody, don't worry about getting the bag. I got to get the bag, man. I got to get the bag. See, if you're so focused on getting the bag, you can't lead properly. Money will come, success will come, but if those things are primary your focus, you're not going to be able to lead properly. You're going to get caught up in what I call survival mindset. Survival mindset is the leader who avoid all challenges. Every time a challenge come, they figure out a way to ignore it, avoid it, and act like it's going to disappear. Act like it's going to go away without it being addressed. It's a survival mindset where a person learns strategies and perspectives to try to avoid all challenges. And then when the challenges do come, because they will come, then they ignore the challenges. Survival mindset also feels very threatened anytime a challenge comes. They only look for safe environments and even when challenges come, they don't notice new opportunities. Many people miss the blessing in the pandemic because they were too busy being negative about all the things that was going wrong. But those who understand opportunity was finding opportunity in the pandemic. Pastor Robin and I had some things we had to move at our home. We called a company to come move some things and it was two college brothers who was too busy and packed, uh, too busy on their schedule, they could not come pick up our stuff. They said we were both in college and right now we put off college because we had a business we wanted to do. And in the midst of the pandemic, they launched a business. They put school to the side, they strategized, and now they were so booked, making so much money, doing so well for themselves because they saw an opportunity in the pandemic. See, survival mindset will not let you see there's a blessing in this thing. There's something that I can still do that I can win. There's something in this that, that I can work with in the midst of this. See, survival mindset will make you duck your head and hide 
rather seeing what good I can do in the situation see a survival mindset constantly feels threatened don't find opportunities that's not the thing to have or another mindset to avoid is called the celebrity mindset where you can't focus on the job at hand because you're too busy trying to get recognized you're too busy trying to go global that you can't even do what you basically need to do. You're too busy trying to go viral and you can tell people who are anxious to go viral. They do all kind of things because they're anxious. I ain't going to mess with them today, y'all. I ain't going to mess with them today. I ain't going to mess with that preacher today. Who are anxious to go viral. They do all types of things. I ain't going to mess with them. I ain't going to mess with them. Who are anxious to go viral. Anxious to be known. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I ain't going to mess with them today. I'm going to leave them alone. Anxious to go viral so your name could be known. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, come on, come on. It's not a black head. Hallelujah, it's a white head. But I'm just saying to y'all that anxious to go viral. So y'all don't know. It's all right. Because it's because of a celebrity mindset. Want to be recognized for everybody that they can't do the job at hand. It's the thing to avoid. But the thing to have to have a sober mind. Everybody say a sober mindset. A person who takes the invitation to lead will have a sober mindset and allows them to face whatever comes their way. It allows them to navigate, find resources, to find leverage to do what they need to do. Besides the invitation point number two, those who lead, you can only lead those who decide to follow. Now in being sober, it's just a recognition that you're not leading everybody. One of the things that certain people mess up in leadership is to think that they're leading everybody. You're not leading everybody. Everybody's not following you. You got to focus on who's following you. Many people try to lead people who are not even interested in being led by them. And you miss leading those who decide to follow. It's so important that you pay attention to who's following you versus who's not following you many times as you focus on who is following you you attract those who are not following you but the focus is on who is following you so you lead those who decide to follow the other thing when you're leading those who find to follow leaders must expect results they expect results it is a poor leader that does not require people to produce results when Jesus get on the boat with the disciples, all of a sudden, a storm comes. When the storm comes, Jesus is asleep on the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion as the leader. They are panicking, and Jesus gets up, but Jesus is expecting them to represent results. It's a poor leader that doesn't look for fruit of those who are following them. So poor leader that don't expect results from people. So poor director or supervisor who allows a climate of low or no productivity. Because what you end up actually doing is ruining morale. You're ruining morale. And somebody else who has all the capabilities to do well are distracted from all the low non-producers who are on their team because they're wondering why so-and-so is on their team and they don't produce no results. So leaders must expect results and leaders must also inspect results. 
expect results is one side but inspect results is to get close to the details to make sure it is what it really is to make sure it's really growing to make sure it's really on track so not only expecting results but leaders must inspect results must figure out what's happening, why it's happening, how can we change it, how can we make it better. Leaders must inspect. Jesus gets very close to his disciples in this point and he asks them a question later on and he wants to know why can't you demonstrate faith? Why can't you demonstrate faith? Why can't you demonstrate faith? All right, I want to know why can't you produce? What's distracting you? What's hindering your productivity? What's hindering you from being all that you can be? Leaders don't just expect, they also inspect. They discover what are the things that are hindering you from being the best you could be. Jesus does with his two disciples in a way to get close to them and to see if they can be the best that they can be. Also, we find out when we inspect results that sometimes people are not doing what they should do or growing where they should grow because people are sometimes skeptical of leadership. The days are gone, for the most part, where people follow leadership blindly. Those days are about gone. If you're expecting people just to follow you because you got the title, it ain't happening. Those days are about gone. Those days are about gone. People are following people who demonstrate results. Those days are blind following because you got the title and some people love that in their leadership because that means they get to have scapegoats and excuses not to do what they should do as a leader because they get the title of a leader and now they don't have to worry about answering nobody or being in mutual respect with other people but people will often be skeptical of your leadership waiting to see if you can be trusted. It happens a whole lot with politicians. It happens a lot even with our voting system. There are people who don't even vote because they don't feel like they vote matters. Because they are skeptical of systems. We must inspect why people are not uh, following. Sometimes people are not following. Leaders must understand because people have personal challenges. Sometimes when someone's not producing, you may find out that they're dealing with something at home. You know, I know we go to work and we tell people it's, 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 a, it's a poor level of leadership when you tell people when you hit that door, leave whatever's going on at your house at home. Sounds good, but it's not reality. Sounds good. You can't come to that, that man and, and expect results from him without inspecting what's going on. You see his numbers have gone down. You see he's not producing like he used to produce. You can't just expect results. You have to inspect. Because for you to think that his daughter about to have a major surgery is not bothering him and not bothering his production, you're wrong. You're going to have to figure out how to support that person while they go through those things. See, leaders inspect what's going on. You can't just say, I don't care about your life. And when people find out you don't care, they stop caring as well. When they find out that you don't care about them outside of work, outside of the eight hours they do, when they find out that you're that type of leader. Yeah. Yeah. It's on 
almost impossible. Yes, you got to somehow some balance. Yes, you got to work some things out. Sometimes you may have to take off work if you're so distracted. Maybe you need a few days off. And good leaders also recommend that to you. They see you not at your best. There's no sense here you trying to work something, especially if you work in an environment where you need to have safety and protection and you need focus. There's no sense of trying to demand you focus while you're distracted. Go home. Please take a few days. Do what you got to do. Get some rest. Get some counseling. Get some support. And maybe return in a week. Use some of your vacation days, all right? If you ain't used them all up. Use some of your vacation days. See what I'm saying? Because they understand that a distracted employee is a risk to our reputation. A distracted person is a risk to our safety. And so it's better for that leader to inspect what's happening and help you face personal challenges. Why do you think most corporations have actually added programs to support you in your personal life? Counseling being available. Right, those things being offered to you because they understand that you are you are more than just the work you do. So good leaders understand you have to expect and inspect results. Got to figure out what's going on. Why do we have a change in attitude? Why do we have a change in personality? What's going on here? Uh, why are we losing morale with our highest producers? What is going on here? Leaders must inspect results. Leaders also must lead with transparency. Transparency. One of the things I think happens even in this story, Jesus invites them on the boat. And when Jesus invites them on the boat, tell somebody to say, Jesus on the boat. Tell somebody to say, Jesus on the boat. But one of the things I think we miss when it comes to transparency is we get the illusion that everything is always going to be safe and easy going. When Jesus invites them on the boat, he understands now the boat itself is safe. But things change in leadership when the storm comes. The boat was fine until it starts storming. See, we give sometime in leadership people's expectation that we're not going to have to do some things, that everything's going to be beautiful always, and, and we don't careful, we'll sell some people things we can't back up. That's why many products have other descriptions on it that let you know, now we tested this thing, it normally works on normal conditions, but if you do this, you do that. You ever listen to those commercials about you can take this medication, but be careful, it can cause heart disease. But be careful, it can cause this and that and this and that because we understand it should work in normal conditions. But we understand life is not always normal. We understand that storms come and rain gets beat in your boat. And what you expected it to be, it don't always be that way. And you got to be able to deal with real transparency. And I believe Jesus is trying to talk to us as a leader is that I didn't offer y'all a safe ride over to the other side. I didn't say that this was going to be the most beautiful thing you ever witnessed in your life. I didn't offer you an amusement park. What I told you is get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. I didn't tell you what you was going to have to go through to get there. I didn't tell you you was going to have to pray harder than you ever prayed. You was going to have to fast harder than you ever fasted. I didn't tell you that you was going to have to cut back on your carbs and cut back on that sweets that you like to have. I didn't tell you all of that, but 
I told you he was going to get to the other side. Sometimes we give people the illusion that everything's going to be perfect on this journey. And Jesus said, all I can promise you is that boat can hold water. And the other thing I can promise you this, that I'll be with you while you're in it. I can promise you that. And see, some of us as believers, as Christians, miss this understanding of leadership. It's not that God's going to change everything. God's going to change. Sometimes you got to tell your friends, I can't pay your bills. I can't bail you out of this one. But I'm going to be in it while you struggle. Yeah, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to be praying for you. I can't bail you out of it. See, sometimes we get the illusion that we can bail and stop everything in everybody's life. And Jesus, even being the Messiah, doesn't even stop the storm immediately. He allows them to experience that life happens. Life happens. So leaders must show honest transparency. He says, honest transparency. Because many times people don't understand that with this transparency, we also feel insecure. And leadership will reveal insecurities. Yeah. Uh, Moses showed some real insecurities. When God told him it's time to lead, he was like, I can't lead. He said, I can't speak. And then God said to him, well, I'm going to give you your brother Aaron. He can speak for you. Later on in the story in the journey, uh, later on in the journey of Moses' leadership, we find a story where Moses is up on the mountain praying. And while he's praying, God tells Moses, get down. Aaron, the one you wanted to speak for you, he has gotten with the people, taken all their earrings, melted the gold down, and built a golden calf. He said, get down and straighten that situation. Now, who went down to talk to Aaron about tricking the people and them serving idolatry? See, there come times in your life that you say what you can't do, but God will put you in a situation where your strength is made perfect. God will put you in a situation where you start talking up and speak up. Ain't nobody speak to Aaron but Moses. I don't care if he stuttered and it took him 20 minutes to get it out of his mouth. He told Aaron, what are you doing? See, there come a time in your life where you recognize it's time to step into leadership with all your insecurities, with all your weaknesses, and let God's grace be sufficient. And we're not looking for the perfect people to be leaders. We're looking for leaders who are willing to fulfill the assignment. Come on. And nothing in the Bible lets us know that God took away his stutter. See, we have this type of faith that God got to take away and solve everything for us to lead. And I'm going to tell you, God won't take away. God will be great in you while you struggle. God will be great in you with your limp. God will be great in you while you go through what you go through. God will perfect you. Why People say, how you do that? The grace. How you do that? The favor. I can't believe you go through all this. God's good. God ain't taking away everything. <laughs> wait until everything get lovely to one day gonna do this perfect leadership show up that's why you ain't showed up yet because you're waiting for all your problems to go away for you to leave you're waiting for everything to vanish and many times God actually calls you to lead while you're in trouble God actually calls you to lead while you're under pressure many times God calls matter of fact God 
called Joshua to lead while he was still grieving. Moses had died just a few days ago and God told Joshua, get out of it brother. Take courage. You will have to learn how to cry and walk. You will have to learn how to cry and walk through it. God will call you while you're in it. We got to start giving people this fake illusion that it's always easy to do what you do. See, that's why I don't like leaders who don't tell their real story. How you got there? Don't tell me where you are. Tell me how you got there. Tell me the journey. Tell me what you've been through. Tell me how hard it was. Tell me how you had to fight. Tell me that the tears you had to sweat to do it. No, don't make it look good. Jesus said, I ain't gonna make this thing look good. Get on the boat. And suddenly there starts raining. And Jesus sleep. That's leadership. Yeah. And sometimes in leadership, you notice in this text that they said, they said, Master, you don't care. Sometimes people misinterpret what care really is. Sometimes because Jesus didn't move, they misinterpreted that he was careless. In that moment, he wasn't careless, he was careful. And many times we gotta understand that Jesus was securely asleep on the pillow. So everybody say Jesus was secure. And in his security, Jesus had already assessed that we can still, y'all about to hear this, Get to the other side, even though we've been through a storm. Tell yourself, I can still get there. Come on, say, I can still get there. It didn't happen like you wanted it. Some of y'all wanted to graduate in four years. It didn't happen. Stop crying about it. It, it, it didn't happen. The four years has passed. You on year six. It didn't happen, all right? It didn't happen, but you can still get there. You can get that. You, you thought, you thought, you thought everything was going to work out on this way. But no, 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 no. I want you to know you can still get that. Jesus is asleep for a moment, allowing them to experience the storm because leadership says, I don't care what we have when we start. It may be all we need to do what God's called us to do. Don't you notice in the story of two fish and five loaves that Jesus never decreased the crowd or increased the loaves? He never decreased the crowd. It was 5,000 people hungry. Neither did he increase the two fish and five loaves. Can I tell you, maybe what you have is enough to get to where you got to go. Maybe the gift you already have. Maybe God ain't got to add another thing in your life for you to be great. Not another thing. Jesus is secure that we tell someone, I feel the Holy Spirit, we still going to get there. Saying, I had bumps in the road, but we're still gonna get there. Had some dilemmas, but we're still gonna get there. I got a story, y'all, but we're still gonna get there. This is the transparency that's actually attractive. People actually want real people these days. I know what I can put up with it a little bit, but sometimes when I go to the grocery store, I want a person. I can put up with the robots, I love electronics and the technology. But sometimes I need a person. You know, sometimes the scanner not acting right. Sometimes the scanner putting in wrong prices. Hallelujah. 
You see what I'm saying? I need a person. You know, and people want real people. Come on. People want to know that you cry and that you feel and you can actually touch and acquaint. Nobody don't want no robotic person that's always giving a robotic leadership answer. Give me something that shows me you know what it is to cry at night, to go through this thing, but still get up. I want to know who you, who are you? I told the people, too late. Now, if you came to this church looking for a pastor who didn't have no past, it's too late. <laughs> I, I have one. Don't be looking at me like you ain't got one either. You got the wrong church. I don't even preach like I don't, didn't have a past. I don't even preach like I never make mistakes. The reason I, why, the reason I do that, because there's too many people that fail, that f- messed up in life. They don't need somebody who acting like they ain't never been to the lows and never been betrayed God and did wrong things. They need somebody who can say, God, I'll give you a second chance. How do I know? Because I'm the evidence. How do I know? Because I've been there. We don't need no more robotic preachers who preach and stuff they ain't never lived. Just repeating the text. We need people who actually been there, done that, and living through it. Come on, clap your hands. Tell somebody we need transparent leadership. She can say, I'm going to sleep, and y'all going to act up. And I'm going to let you act up because it ain't about me preventing everything. Some of us serve God like you need to prevent everything. All your prayers are like Mary and Martha. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you would have did, and we live our life in regret, not knowing what God can still do with a dead corpse. What God can still do with what's sitting in the grave. He walks over there and says, where he at? Show me where his body is. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, come forth. He shakes, and then I like the scripture, it says, now call all the people who said you wasn't going to make it. Y'all got to read the text. It said, call, call Jesus. Jesus didn't unwrap him. Mary and Martha didn't unwrap him. All the people who were saying he's dead and he can't make it, Jesus says, get them and let them unwrap him from the grave clothes. Let them feel what it's like to touch somebody you thought was dead and wasn't going to make it, but I done turned them around. I want you to see a living demonstration of somebody who didn't look like they was going to make it, but because I was in it, I turned it around. I got to go back to my point. Maybe you got enough for God to take you. I don't know who I'm talking to. Point number four. Leaders must show that they care by keeping cool. Now that's different. Some of us are used to people caring by panicking. But let me tell you something, parents. If you panic all the time when things happen, you actually teach your children not how, to, how not to problem solve. That they think things are solved by having a temper tantrum and kicking and screaming because that's what they see you do. Sometimes leaders show care by keeping cool, by keeping themselves under composure. I want you to understand that many blessings are not coming without a battle. Many times the level of your battle is an indication of the level of the blessing. So you can't keep fainting because you have a battle. You can't keep fainting because you have a fight. That's why the Bible tells us put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because you're going to have a fight. And you can't lose your cool all the time. 
You can't go in the room and shut the door for five days and nobody talk to you. No serious stuff. You got to learn how to cope with some of this stuff. God has to give you strength how to lead you through these type of things because many times you show people you care by keeping cool. You can't, you can't, you can't lose it all. You can't, you can't throw in the towel. You can't cuss everybody out. Oh, we gotta, we gotta, pre- we gotta, we gotta teach and preach about cussing. Oh yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't cuss. You cussing, cussing ain't solve nothing. You still, you still, you still mad. Cussing ain't solve nothing. They still didn't do what you wanted to say. You cussed them out. And, and now you need the blood of Jesus to wash away the sin. It's all right. You, 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 that don't solve everything. Cussing somebody, I'm gonna give them a good cussing. I, I, I'm just talking. See, I talk to real people. I know, I know what happens. I just, I'm gonna give them a good cussing. After you give them a good cussing, you ain't did nothing but vent some moments of anger, and now you're gonna be repenting. And if you're not careful, you're gonna go too far and say something you should have not said because you lost your head, you didn't keep your cool, you lost your composure, and in the moment you said some things that you can't take back. Yes, you can ask for forgiveness, but guess what? You still said it and guess what they still heard it so you can't keep just losing your cool sometimes you show good leadership and care by keeping your cool keeping your keeping it together number five leaders also keep the vision in front of them keep the vision in front of them Jesus never lose sight that he's trying to take the people, everybody say, to the other side. See, when you keep the vision in front of people, then they can trust the process because they know they're going to the vision. The Bible says that people perish not because of problems. So you don't perish because of problems. You don't perish because you got challenges. People perish for the lack of vision. So the power of vision is what gives you the energy and thrust you to work through your problems. So people don't perish just because they have problems. Because problems can be solved. People perish because they lack vision. People give up today because they don't know what can happen tomorrow. People give up today because they don't know what good things can turn around for what they're dealing with. People simply perish for the lack of knowledge and vision. So leaders have a way of keeping the vision in front of people. Telling people where we're going, what we can do. Number six. Leaders must solve challenges. There's no way you're going to maintain leadership and maintain respect if you don't solve a problem. Although Jesus shows them that problems going to come, notice Jesus gets up and rebukes the storm. You prove who you really are in leadership by the ability to solve problems. You can't be a leader and never solve a problem. You can't be a leader and never have solutions. Leaders must solve problems. Jesus gets up and he actually increases his stock by being able to calm the storm. Although he wished that they would walk in faith, but the very fact that they can cry out to him and he would answer and rebuke the storm, it gives him more credibility as a leader. Leader must be able to solve problems. One of the reasons that leaders mostly exist is because of problems, because of challenges. Leaders exist to maintain order. There are four areas, major areas that I feel that leadership exists. One is talent acquisition. 
We need leaders to pick out the gifted people to, who needs to take care of certain tasks. We need leadership for troubled seasons. We need leadership for transition periods. You can't get through no transition without good leadership. And we need leadership for training and development. So leaders must be able to solve problems. But that's not the only thing. Leaders must be able to bring correction. I call it path correction. Journey correction, destiny correction. So one thing Jesus does, he solves the problem by rebuking the storm. But tell somebody he's not through. Because after a leader solves the external factors, the storm, the wind, the waves, peace still, you still got to deal with the person who was panicking in the storm. That's where the training and development comes. And Jesus corrects his disciples at this time. If you're going to be a leader, you can't just give people inspiring words that they always want to hear. Sooner or later, you're going to have to say something that may just kind of pinch a spot. You may have to say something that addresses an area that needs more development, an area they need to pay attention to, and Jesus addresses this area, and it's the area of their faith. He brings correction to them. You can't be a, a good leader and always pamper people and make it just seem like people don't need growth and development, and all you want to have is good works. There's times you have to have words that help people focus, that help people understand what you really need them to do, help realign people to stay on track. So many times you have to give those words of correction. Leaders, good leaders bring correction. Matter of fact, we don't correct because we don't care for people, we correct because we do care. One of the ways you love a person is by correcting them. The worst thing a parent can do is not correct their children. The worst thing you can do is not correct them. Oh, you're so cute. You're not cute all the time. Sometimes that cute boy needs some correction. And you can't, you can't dwarf down from the area of being a great parent when that child needs correction. And you just tell them how great they are. Yeah, you're great. That's one side. But if you don't do X, Y, Z, L-M-N-O-P. See what I'm saying? Yeah, you're my cute child. You're handsome and all. You're pretty and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you don't do X, Y, Z, I know something. See, correction is a form of love. And God corrects us. The Bible says he chastised those he loved. See, because when you don't correct someone that you love, you actually leave it for somebody else. And if you don't correct them, then soon the court system is going to be trying to correct them. Soon the police going to be trying to correct them. See, my dad was the type of person that he found out we needed correction. He took ownership of that thing. All he had to hear was I wasn't doing something right. Or my sister wasn't doing something right. And he took, took it from you. I got it from here. Oh, I can take care of this. I can take care of this boy. I can help him. I've been corrected. I remember all my lessons correction. I tell the story. As a young boy, about 15 years old, I was corrected by my godmother. She, she saw me as a young boy in the church and she said, I want you to be my godmother. Now I'm doing the same thing. Hallelujah. As a young boy, she said, I want you to be godmother. I said, all right. I was going home with her after church one day. And while I was passing down the street, I seen a, a man with a buggy. Unkept, not dressed right. And I said, look at that bum. Look at that old man. He's a bum. Look at him. And all I know, the car went from 40 to the 20, from 20 to 10, and we was on the side of the road. 
And I'm wondering why we stopped. She looked in that back seat at me, and it seemed like her arm was longer than before. <laughs> she put her finger so close to my face, and she said, don't you ever say that about anybody else again. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know what he's been through? Do you know what, where he's been in life? Do you understand about his life? I was stuttering, I ain't know nothing. She began to tell me about his story. He was a great painter, wonderful artist, but he got into a situation with his dad and he ain't never been the same since. Flunked out of school, life never turned over. She said, you don't know what people go through. Be careful for you look down on people. You don't know what nobody going through. I'll never forget that 15, at the age of 15, that correction went to my soul. You know, when you really get corrected, when I got to her house, I sat on the couch for two hours and didn't move. She was like, you can move. I was still just sitting on the couch. I was just, when you get really good and corrected, that goes down to your inner being, your thoughts, and drove out the immaturity in me as a 15-year-old child who still needs to be corrected and trained. She helped develop the man that I am today, in addition to my parents, by correcting me when I need it most to let me know, hey, you can't look down on people. You don't know where they've been. And now that I'm a pastor and a preacher and sometimes I have to counsel people, I see the sensitivity why I needed that sensitivity. And see, sometimes we miss and forego the growth in our children's life because we pamper them and we won't correct them. Come on, somebody. We got to tell them you ain't as cute always. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You ain't saying nothing. You ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Trying to figure I'm going to tell this other story. I have to say it like this. I told one of my children, children of children, I told one of my children, you better be careful how you respond to me. You got friends, but I ain't your friend. I'm friendly, but I'm not your friend. I'm friendly, but I'm not your friend. You better be careful how you respond to me. Matter of fact, I require you to think before you respond to me. I pause and so respectful before you talk about it because I'm going to judge the words that come out your mouth. I feed you, I clothe you, I love you, I take care of you. You better be careful what you say. Better careful what you say. I cry you to think before you talk to me. Don't give me no any type of response. I don't even play that kind of. Mm -mm. You don't give me no any type of response. What? That's what you're gonna say to me? You better think. I'd rather you, Daddy, let me think about it. I'm good with that. But don't just come out saying anything. And we got to teach respect. We got to teach respect. We got to teach respect. We got to teach this stuff. We got to correct the path. We got to correct the path. And if we don't put it in them, then somebody else is going to be trying to make up for what we didn't do. Come on, clap your hands. I'm trying to move on. One more point. Number seven, I got one more point. <laughs> Leaders bring correction. We address the weakness and the challenges, and we do it in a way that is, that is caring and loving. The Bible says parents don't provoke your children to wrath. That means you just can't yell at them all the time. I say you just can't be yelling and screaming. That ain't even good correction. Yelling and screaming ain't good correction. That ain't no good correction. Many times you're correcting, you got to tell them what they did wrong and what they should be doing. And many times you need to be under control to do so. It's hard to correct when you're out of control. Because when you're out of control, what normally happens when you're out of control when you correct, you overcorrect. And don't you know overcorrecting is dangerous? Don't you understand that overcorrecting also causes so many car accidents? 
because people don't understand it just takes a small adjustment to stay on the road. Don't you know when people first start driving? Don't, don't drive. Oh my goodness. When people first start driving a car and you're like, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Make a left, make a left. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, didn't, you don't have to turn the steering wheel that hard to get it in its lane. Small adjustments, let it do what it need to do. But if you overcorrect, you can still be up on the side of the road up in the tree in the forest from overcorrecting. And as parents, God requires that we just don't discipline out of control. Because if we do, they miss the message of love. So many times, even in order to correct, you got to calm yourself down. You got to calm yourself down so that the person don't lose respect for you while you're trying to correct them. So you got to bring yourself, and I tell these people on the job all the time, and I'm going to say it right here today so everybody can get it. I tell all my leaders and supervisors, sometimes we have to discipline people at work. We have to do write-ups. We have to go to HR and all that kind of stuff. But I tell them, every time you do that, you will treat them like a person. You will not cause that person to go postal up in here because you disrespecting them. Now all of our lives are at risk because you don't disrespect it. All you had to do is handle the paperwork, do it with kindness, with, treat them like a human and don't dehumanize them in the moment. Don't let it be. Everybody, when you're correcting somebody, it don't have to be office knowledge. Everybody ain't supposed to know when somebody's going through correction. Matter of fact, that's why it's best not to even do corrections publicly because most corrections should be done behind closed doors and done in a way where there's dignity and respect. Mess around and made that person mad and they don't go postal and all our lives at risk because you mishandle people when you're correcting them. All right. I'm trying. Number eight. Leading in tough times. Number eight and I'm done. Leaders demonstrate where God is and who God is. Leaders show what God is actually trying to do in the earth. When we find Noah as a leader, we find that God is trying to show people how to do right when other, everybody else is doing wrong. God is trying to show through the lifestyle of Noah, God is demonstrating there'll be times you'll be the only one trying to be ethical, but be ethical if you be by yourself. Even if you don't have a crowd and everybody Noah has to build a boat, it never rained on the earth and everybody else is in their sins while he's building the boat. And only eight people got saved. But sometimes you have to stay focused and do the right thing even if you are alone. Abraham shows us that God was demonstrating that I can take you from nowhere to somewhere. I can take you from no name to name known everywhere. That God has a better place for you. God shows us through the leadership of Abraham that I can take you out of a place where you didn't know anything. I can train you, build you up, and then make you a father of many nations. God shows us that through the lifestyle of Abraham what he can do. God shows us through Joseph that if you endure with patience and integrity, nothing can stop you. Yeah, somebody set you back. Yeah, you had betrayal. Yeah, somebody backstabbed you. Yeah, you had scandal happen in your life. But if you can stay patient and work with integrity, you're going to be promoted. Somebody's going to recognize you. Keep going to work. Keep smiling. Keep doing the right thing. You may be overlooked in one place, but if they don't reward you in one place, God will bless you in another place. God shows us how to be ethical and walk in integrity through the life of Joseph. Yes, 
God shows through Joshua that he'll raise up a new people in a new place, even if he has to wait a while to do it. Samuel is an honest leader. God shows us that we must uh, be honest and then admonish others when they must be honest. See, Samuel's leadership demonstrate that sometimes we got to confront people. The whole story of Samuel is he is the ment he's the mentee of Eli. Eli is the priest, but Eli has sons that he won't correct. They're sleeping with the women in the church. They're doing all kinds of stuff in the church. They're taking advantage of the sacrifice. And Eli knows about it. And Eli won't deal with it. One way to deal with it is to confront them. But the other thing to deal with, if they don't stop, you remove them. Eli refused to use his leadership to bring integrity to that situation to such a point that God removed Eli out the way. So no leader can think you're that wonderful. I don't care how good you've been in the past. If you don't follow God, God will get rid of you. He sure will. I don't care how wonderful you think you are. God will get rid of you. God will humble you while you're sitting there talking about what you used to do. That's all you have is a used to. God loved Eli, but Eli wouldn't do what God called him to do. God raised up Samuel in his place. God demonstrates what he's doing, like in the life of Rahab. I like the story of Rahab. I like the story of Rahab. She's a courageous woman, and she's gifted. Now, don't miss Rahab. Don't misinterpret her. She's a gifted woman. She owned a hotel, so she's an entrepreneur. She may have used it for her own purposes, but she's an entrepreneur. No, 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 she got to give her some credit what credit to do. She's an entrepreneur. And on the day that the spies come, she uses her entrepreneurship gift to hide them and to give them a place to stay. And then she's smooth and slick. When the, when, the, when, the, when the enemy comes and say, I know I saw somebody in your house. She said, well, I've been lying all this time. I might as well go and lie again. Yes, she did. It's right there in the Bible. She said, I ain't seen nobody. It's right there in the Bible. Sure did. I ain't seen nobody. Sent them out another way. Sure did. And she said, I tell you what, before y'all go, I know y'all come to destroy this city, and I'm a businesswoman. Let me negotiate a deal with y'all. Let me negotiate. Before you tear this city up, I want you to know you're going to have to save me and my family. I done helped y'all out. Now y'all got to help me out. I done hid y'all from the spies. Now I need to make sure that me and my family is taken care of. This, this, this Rahab, that y'all want to, this Rahab negotiates a deal. Woo! Negotiates a deal. And they said, all right, what we're going to do is give you a red scarlet and when we come to destroy the city all you got to do is put that red thread down out the window and when I see the red thread we'll skip your house it represents the blood of Jesus come on God uses somebody with a dark past God uses somebody with all kind of mess ups I believe Rahab said I'm about to do one more trick and after this I'm done she said I'm about to get out of this situation and she they put the thread and when they attack the house her house is blessed they tell her this. They said, look, when we come to destroy the city, make sure everybody's in the house. Because everything you care for, just pack it in the house. And if you get everybody in your house, they're going to be blessed. And then the same lady Rahab shows up in the New Testament because she married somebody from the tribe of Judah. And we find out she's somebody's grandmama and she's a part of the lineage of Jesus. Don't tell me what God can't do with a red, with a red pass. Don't tell me what God can't do with a wretched credit score. She ends up in the New Testament in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's a bad girl. I don't care what you say. That's a bad girl. And I'm trying to tell you, if you learn how to take your opportunities of leadership 
ain't no what telling what God can do with your life. If you learn to start taking the opportunities that come your way, stop all the negativity, stop all the complaining. I always tell this story and I, I always tell this story I'm a college student my, my college career my, my college career was just going down the drain I came to school and I, when I got here I just felt like I was called to be on intramural sports I don't know where the calling came from but I felt called to be on intramural sports uh, because in high school I was a musician and that's all I did I, I quit football to go be on the road with the quartet group because we traveled we rehearsed uh, 50 11 times a week and I didn't have time, but I love sports. So when I got in college, that's all I did. Intramural football, intramural basketball. I mean, we had shirts and, and shoes, colors, and all this kind of stuff. And wasn't studying. It didn't work out for me. All right. But I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Next thing you know, I'm playing drums at a church, Greta Love, and the, mu the, the musician now, Brother Cruz says, oh, he, he said, you need a job? I said, yeah, I need a job. He said, but you got to have a good working car. I had just got a working car. How I got the working car, my cousin came. He's a jazz musician. He came on a Friday night after church. I went to church on Friday night. Got home about 9 o'clock, around 11 o'clock. He called me and said, cuz, what you doing? Man, I'm asleep. He said, man, I'm here playing jazz over at the jazz club. He said, come on over here, man. I got to ride over there to him. And I'm sleeping. I'm tired. I'm in the jazz club. They dun, 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 dun. I'm in the music going. And I nodded off to sleep. It was kind of empty. When I woke up, it was crowded. It was smoky in there. Everybody was like, hey, God, how you doing, man? You were tired, buddy. I was like, yeah, man. I was tired. I'm here with my cousin trying to support him. After we finished the jazz session, he said, man, Junior, what you doing? What you mean what I'm doing? I'm going home. He said, ride with me to Jacksonville. He said, I'm moving. I said, what? I get in the car with him. We go down I-10. We both tired. We pull on the rest stop. We get about an hour or two of sleep. We finally wake up about 6 in the morning. We drive into Jacksonville. I said, okay, man. He said, I'm moving. I said, all right. I come in his apartment. It's full of furniture. I said, cuz, what you doing? When you moving? He said, I'm moving today. I'm catching a plane to go to New York at noon. I was like, what? He goes to all his neighbors, neighbors, you need a TV? You need a stereo? You need a couch? He giving away everything. I said, okay, I'll take her to the airport in the car. We get to the airport, he jumps out and says, hey man, you can have a car. I'm sitting there like, hey, glory to God. Amen. The brother who just told me that I needed a good working car to have his job because they wanted to hire a reliable college student. My God, look how God done blessed me with a car. But that ain't all. So I had the car, but the car wasn't his. The car was my grandmother's. It was in her name. And so I called grandma and said, Grandma, my cousin gave me the car. What? What you mean? He going to New York because he in college. He's going to get his master's degree in jazz. She said, what you say? She said, and you got the car. You better take care of that car. But grandma, I got it. I'm putting oil in the gas. I got it, grandma. All right. So good Lord, I'm driving the car. I got a job because of the car. The next thing you know, the next thing you know, grandma called me and said, I need to put some insurance on the car. I go down to Miami. Grandma drive the car and say, ooh, I like this car. I think I'm going to keep it for myself. I said, what you say? I go in the back room and I cry big crocodile tears. I just got this car. All this kind of stuff. And God said, all you needed was the car to get the job. You got the job now. Now you can walk to work. 
let me teach you about opportunity that's right God blessed me with the job it was the foot in the door and ever since I got in the state I've always been there I got promoted from half time to full time went into accounting making $13,000 a year next thing you know, I went to another place got into another job the woman was giving me raises cause she liked me she gave me I said she gave me raises cause she liked me I could do my work Ooh, that work was good I'm like it ain't nothing that's 5% every time I looked around she would see see many times we hung our head down and we start complaining what you can't do I got on that road and walked to work sometime when I got to work I was soaking wet but hey well, I had a job God said I took care of you didn't I I got you the job I needed come on a job you needed and I kept working that job till I moved up and moved up I was in middle management at one time I was in middle management and I was in middle my boss head boss my boss's boss sent me an email one day he didn't like something I did on a project and he sent me an email and he told me you would never be this and that and this and that and that and this and that and that and that and that and he put in the email when I read it you know how you had all those them plastic sliders on the floor where your chair can slide good I pushed my chair back I said no I didn't read that right I pulled my chair back read it again no he didn't I got myself up from 305 dirty south and I said it's about to be going down in this job today I got up and I went in his office and he wasn't in there thank the Lord and I went in there and I'm telling you I was looking for him I was like where is it I don't know why I thought he was hiding from me I was looking for him. my boss my boss saw me this is my boss's boss my boss saw me and my boss said Joe what's the matter I said he just sent me in he don't know who he talking ain't nobody gonna tell me what I can't do and what I can't be he can tell me he didn't like what I did and I can either do it. but you know, you ain't got that much authority you're gonna tell me who I can't be and I said he gonna meet the 305 today and I went in there to do business I was willing to risk my job and that was the wrong thing to do I was about willing he said come in here Joe he calmed me down he called me down. I got myself together. He said, you know how he is sometimes. I got myself together. I said, ooh, he lucky he wasn't in there today. I'm telling y'all, I was going to do what I was going to do. And I was ooh, Jesus, thank God. Thank God somebody saved me in that moment. Ooh, thank God. Come on, somebody helped you when you was about to lose it all. I'm coming through and I'm sitting there at that job in middle management I'm helping managers I have no one under me but next thing you know I go to a job interview and I move from having nobody under me to having 25 under me and five supervisors don't tell me what God can't do stop quitting because somebody told you what you can't do stop quitting because you made a mistake stop quitting because you had some lessons to learn stay in there get your grind on stop being so emotionally sensitive went from 25 now I had 25 people under me stayed there for two years went back to the job that I came from into another position got paid more to have less people I said I think that's God I said that's God hallelujah that's God a big raise for, for less people that now that's God that's what God is calling me to more money less responsibility hallelujah yeah I ain't saying nothing glory to God I like that that's the Holy Ghost see what I'm saying and God will take care of you come on I'm trying to teach you how to muster through and lead through these things and I went through and now I'm the I'm the bureau chief in one of the state agencies because God raised me up with an AA degree come on somebody with an AA degree <laughs> hallelujah over the whole accounting section I'm trying to tell you if you stop quitting in your process if you stop telling God what he can't do with you God will process you and God will take 
take you where you got to go if you stop focusing on your mistakes and stop focusing on your strengths and stop telling people why you ain't good for this and some of y'all give up the interview I got to pause I got to get out of here I got to go some of y'all just y'all just mess up the whole interview you come in and you tell us every reason why we shouldn't hire you don't tell me nothing I don't know if I don't know it I ain't supposed to know it after the interview tell me what you want me to know all right I'm done clap your hands leading in tough times clap your hands if you got the message I'm done leading in tough times God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family, and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you and join us again.